<clears throat> Old age, forgetfulness. Uh, <clears throat> hopefully, my brain will work a little better in a moment here. Uh, it's always good to see you. Welcome. Thank you so much for choosing to be with us today. We are together in a series, a conclusion of a series today called How. If this is your first day today, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, you aren't coming to the end of a movie. It's standalone. You'll find today quite helpful for you. It is building off of previous weeks, not just the two weeks previous where we covered how you can pray with confidence, how you can love by faith, or how you can be filled with Overflowing Joy is what we're looking at today. It actually builds off of the series previous as we focused in on the gospel truths in, in a, a dynamic way. And it's like even the video said today, there's a mystery there, there's difficulty there, there's deepness there. It's hard to get a hold of. And so I was trying to give us a series where we focus on some of the things that are simple, simple instructions, and some of the practical things that help us uh, walk in these gospel truths. And so prayer and loving by faith, and today, uh, how you can be filled with overflowing joy was the topic. Now, um, I want to start with a question. I know that some of you probably know the answer, so I just want you to raise your hand, not spout the answer yet. Um, just have you heard of the acronym FTT? FTT. Okay, we got a hand over here, a hand over here, and a hand over here. And I recognize uh, that it's mostly medical community that are familiar with this term FTT. It stands for failure to thrive, failure to thrive. And uh, in that acronym, often it's a, a label that's assigned to a situation perhaps like a, an infant that they can't quite figure out what's going on but there's an obvious failure to thrive going on. Or there's an elderly person that can't quite identify why everything's going the way it's going, but there is definitely a failure to thrive going on. Now, um, I, in thinking about this, realize that that's a medical label, but I think that there is an awful lot going on uh, in our world today that you could use this as a spiritual label as well. Failure to thrive. A failure to thrive. In 2020, I would have to admit that I started slipping into a failure to thrive. I don't know if you were slipping into that as well. It appeared to me in that time frame and maybe even a little bit to, to the, even now, but maybe not to the degree that you could divide all of America into two groups. The, the angry group and the angrier group. That, that, that was the two groups. It, it seems like you could divide everybody up into. Um, of course, I didn't fit in that category. I fit into the denial group. And in the denial of that, it's like, I'm not angry, I'm hurt. But for me, being hurt and angry are often so blurry together that it's hard to figure out that that's really what's going on. But if you live in those spaces for long, you're not thriving. Uh, and I began to sense that I was not thriving. We talked about it as a staff, and the longer we went into this time frame with dealing with the angry people and the angrier people, the more it was 
a feeling like we were not thriving. It was the hardest thing to deal with as a leader. Now, you experienced it too, particularly if you were in any kind of people fields, you know, like if you're working for uh, customers or you're working in the medical fields, there was just this, this failure to thrive going on everywhere and it's making life difficult for any one of us to thrive. But we're talking about thriving today. We're talking about how Jesus came with a prescription. See, the FTT label is, is a label, but it's not really one of those labels, that, from my understanding, that is a diagnosis that you can bring a remedy and quickly remedy the problem. It's more like, ah, I, I don't really know how to treat this. This is like failure to thrive. But Jesus looks at our lives, and he sees us sometimes in this FTT mode, Failure to thrive, and not medically, but spiritually. And he sees it a lot of times when we don't see it, and we don't realize that that's what's going on with our own lives. But the good news is that he has come, Jesus has come specifically to bring a remedy, and he knows how to do it. And so we are looking at today on how you can be filled with overflowing joy. Now, it's, it's not... Uh, let me just put it this way. It is a prescription. Jesus is bringing it. It's not as hard as we think. And I'm going to read a section that, although mysterious, and although you can go very deep with it, if we just boil it down to its elements, it's simple instructions and practical steps. And so... I have to ask us to think before we go much further, are you filled with overflowing joy? Think about you. Are you filled with overflowing joy where you know you're thriving to the degree that you're helping people around you thrive? Overflowing joy. Are you still experiencing some FTT? Let's take a look at Jesus' remedy. Simple instructions, practical steps, his prescription. We're going to be in John 15 today, and we're going to be in a large section, John 15, 4 through 11. I'll be reading out of NLT, which I, I love for the fact that it is a good translation that simplifies the language for us, for us to follow along well. John 15, 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Now already we can see this is deep and this is mysterious, but let's just take the surface simple instructions and I'm going to break it down after I read it all. That's an instruction to me. Jim, stop pausing. Okay, here we go. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit... You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. 
Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Great passage. Let's fill in some blanks. Point number one is this. Remain vitally connected to Jesus as your source and supply. So we're talking about a prescription that Jesus is bringing. He's bringing it with his own life, with who he is and what he has done. And now as his instructions on how to remain vitally connected to him, this is very important. Remain vitally connected to Jesus as your source and supply. Let's read again, verse 4 and 5, some of the key phrases here. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Skipping to verse 5, those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. You should have heard a word repeated three times there, and that word was remain. And that word remain comes from the Greek word meno, and meno is translated remain or stay in me or dwell in me or abide in me with the meaning of you need to lodge in me, be at home in me, just stay there. And, and that's what it, the word means, to lodge there and to stay there, live there, be completely at home with Jesus. Now, I find that it's easier to understand this idea um, to remain in or dwell in or abide in Jesus if we ask ourselves this question. I'll put the question on the screen. Question, if I'm not remaining or abiding in Jesus, what am I remaining or abiding in? Do I feel more at home in some other go-to thing to fill my tank with joy? That helps me to see what this is getting at. Who's my go-to? What's my go-to? What is the thing that I do when I'm not thriving? Where do I turn to feel better? And what is it that I do to feel better? That's the place that I will keep going back. That's my home. That's my go-to. That's my fill-me-up-and-feel-better place or thing or whatever. And Jesus is saying, make sure I am number one the one that you continue to be at home in and go to and be filled with, that I am your source and supply. Um, you probably know which things you go to. I mean, I've mentioned this before a lot. You know, Anytime I'm a little sad, food fixes it. It's like, I'm just uh, you know, a little sad, a little bored. Almost any emotion, bored, confused, uh, I just want to... A pick me up, you know, and so I gotta put some real boundaries on things. It's like, you know, those snacks that you come and go to the welcome thing, they're always here. It's like, and I work here, I gotta put some boundaries. No snacks at work, you know, because I'm, and working at home is worse, <laughs> right? So I gotta figure out how, instead of going to the wrong thing over and over and over again, to feel everything elevates in joy when I go to the right thing. Because really, when I keep doing that, I'm not feeling more joyful. I'm just feeling more full. <laughs> and it's not even the right kind of full. It's not full to overflowing. It's full to uh, right? <laughs> and that's just, uh, that's just me. There are a lot of different things like that that we tend to go for. 
Jesus tells his followers that he is the ultimate source and supply to make our lives more joy-filled, not less. He wants to offer you an ongoing, everyday, personal relationship that will bring you joy and a productive life. And he's, that's what he's talking about, this fruit, this produce of your life. He wants this for you. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we go, what? I do a lot of things. And he's saying, no, what he's saying is, apart from me, you can do, he's not saying you can do nothing at all. He's saying you can do nothing of eternal significance. Now, what's, what are those things that are of eternal significance? We always think big, but there's eternal significance in everything that we do that we do to the glory of God. There's eternal significance in everything we love in a godly way. There's eternal significance in everything we do that honors God as we do them in whatever area of life. So I don't want you to think of spiritual life as something completely different than your everyday ordinary life. Spiritual life is all of life when it's connected to Jesus. Now, I want to kind of get at that a little bit as we talk about a few areas just to get at it. So, often people tend to separate their business from their personal life or their, even worse, their business from their spiritual life, okay? For some reason, in, maybe it's in men's brains more than others. I don't know. I don't have others' brains. Um, in men's brain, it's like this. This is my work. I need to figure it out. It's my responsibility. I need to do it. That can creep into ministry, too. I'm the leader, I need to decide. I'm the leader, I need to figure this out. All right, and that's a dangerous spot to be. Whose church is this? It's not my church. <laughs> Jesus said, this is my church, and I will build it. And so I need to go to him as a source. Now, your business is God's business. You need to think like that. And if you make your business God's business, here's how it works. Every problem, everything that you encounter, every barrier that you're trying to solve, everything that you're trying to make better, you make it a matter of prayer because it's to the glory of God. You want to honor God in your business, making it God's business, whatever it is. And you're asking yourself, how can I glorify you in this? How can I, how can I work as a person that is a person of integrity, a person of honesty, who gives good hard work and gives glory to your name? I would like to be known as a follower of Jesus, and I want all followers of Jesus to be known as good workers. Work is worship. And how we work unto God is our worship on everyday life. It's spiritual life right where we live. And so don't separate it out. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Yeah, you're going to go to work and go to work and go to work and accomplish this and this and this and earn money and eat and make your own decisions about pleasure and all that kind of thing, but that is so temporary, nothing eternal in it. But God says your work is your mission field. And in your mission field, you can have an impact with your coworkers. You can have an impact to bless people through your work by doing good work in so many ways. So make your business God's business Connect with Jesus as your source and supply, and he'll help you in that. And make the things that you are doing, doing right now that seem so mundane, and you hate it, and you hate that part of your work that's just work, it becomes worship when you do it hardly as unto the Lord instead of for yourself or for your income. 
okay? Every day is a worship day and make work business his business. Remain vitally connected to Jesus as your source and supply for your business. That's what we're talking about here. Let's shift gears to family. Parents, you want to be good parents? It's going to be more than just reading another parenting book. There's good techniques, sure. There's good practices, sure, and you can learn them from others. But if you want to have kids who are extraordinary, if you want to have kids that are vitally connected to the Lord Jesus and are living a life of significance, it's going to be because you are living a life of significance, vitally connected to Jesus. The best thing you can give your kids is you are overflowing with joy because of Jesus. That's the best thing you can give them. They can see it in your marriage. They can see it in your relationships. They can see it in your life. They want to be just like you. You can read a lot of books, and as you read a lot of books and apply the techniques and practices, you can do it sternly. You can do it right. You can do it in such a way that they can't wait to leave home and make their own choices. Everyone, if you want your life to make an eternal difference in relationships. Now we're talking your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, your friends. If you want to make eternal differences there, you've got to be vitally connected to Jesus. Now, when I keep saying that, I'm not talking about you've got to go to church every week. That's important. But I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a vitally connected personal relationship with Jesus where he is your source and supply in an ongoing way all day long, every day. The only way I know how to do that is starting my day with him and asking him for it and then punctuating my day with him and asking for it and ending my day with him and making every day a day for him, from him, and him through me and in me. All of heaven's resources coming down into me and all of earth's resources seeping up into me through the vine Jesus and I'm the branch and fruit comes through, and I cannot make that happen. But God takes the earthly resources, even my body, and the heavenly resources and unites them together in Jesus, and Jesus and me are doing some things that are supernatural as he's making that happen with this vital connection that I can't even explain in a vine, much less explain how it works in me. But it's real. It's alive. And it makes a difference in me and everything around me. And when I'm not vitally connected, everybody around me knows it. Okay? So this is real, real stuff. This joy that makes a difference in you and for those around you. Boy, I got going there where I kind of lost. Okay, let's... Shift into the next mode. Um, remind, remain vitally connected to Jesus as your source and supply. Point number two, remain vitally filled with Jesus' words. John 15, 7, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. 
Okay. <laughs> we have an advantage. We have the script. We have the script of life. We call it the scriptures. The scriptures are the words of Jesus. Okay? You say, well, I thought it was a whole Old Testament. Well, yes, but be careful. He said, let my words remain in you. Jesus is the final authority on all of Revelation. And what he said was in the new covenant. Let Jesus' words become the lens through which you understand all of scriptures. Let Jesus' words in his new covenant be the lens through which you interpret all of scriptures. There are now Old Testament laws that do not apply to us. We are in the new covenant. Okay? I don't go to a temple and sacrifice things. Jesus fulfilled all of that. So we need to understand the new covenant and how his words are our script for life. And we understand the whole Bible to be pointing at him. And now we're living according to his script, his words in me, lived out in such a way that I have a huge advantage over all the people that are living according to their own script, not according to Jesus' script. And we're not just talking about, well, how exactly do we have his words remain in us? We're not just talking about memorizing his words, okay? I work at that. I work at memorizing. It's harder work now, but I'm working at it, okay? And it's important. It's helpful. It's how you connect the dots, how it flows through you, how you think like Jesus more and more and more. That's really important, but that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about something much deeper, much greater than simply memorization. I'll point out one uh, example, case in point. The Pharisees memorized more scriptures than anybody I've personally met, period. They could rattle off the Torah verbatim. They memorize more scriptures than I have ever met anybody memorize, period. And this is what Jesus had to say about them in John 5, 38. I won't read the whole verse. He says, my word, God's word, does not dwell in you. And the same word that he used, dwell in you, is the word we've been talking about, where Jesus' words dwell in us, meno. Lodge in us, and we lodge in these. This is where we're at home, and it's at home in us. And Jesus said to these Pharisees, you memorized a whole heap of scriptures, but it doesn't dwell in you. It must have shocked them to think they had it all inside of them. But here's the simple truth on the screen. You can know it by heart without taking it to heart. You can know it by heart without taking it to heart. There's something different than information getting in. As accurate as you get it in, and all the background information, you've got to take it to heart. You've got to live out this as your script, not just know it as the truth. It's a, as different as I love chocolate and mmm, this is good. You can, I mean, you have to take it in in such a way and experience it and then live it to really know it, okay? And it's, they did not have scriptures dwelling in them. So, point number one was remain vitally connected to Jesus as your source and supply. Point number two is remain vitally filled with Jesus' words. And point number three, we're ready here now, obey and remain in Jesus' love. John 15, 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. I have a series of questions. I'm just going to read them for you so I can get these right. 
Can we say we have faith if we don't obey him? Can we say we are faithful as in covenant fidelity and covenant loyalty if we don't obey him? Can we say we trust him if we don't obey him? If we don't obey him, we trust our own feelings or our own logic or our own ability or something else more than we trust him every time. Every time we veer off course and do something that is out of obedience and compliance with what we know what Jesus wants of us, and there's more than words here. You can say, I didn't know that. But you have, if you have the Spirit of God inside, the Spirit has going, warning, warning, warning. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't do this. And if you do it anyway, you're trusting something else more than you're trusting Jesus. And you're just not letting the Word in you. You're not thinking thoughts like Jesus thinks thoughts. You don't believe Him. You want to be really filled with joy? This is the avenue. You've got some other thing that you think is going to fill you with joy, and you're going for it. This confronts all of us, because guess what? We all sin and fall short, and we need to turn back and repent right away so we don't stay on the wrong path and cause our joy to become FTT, failure to thrive. On the screen, when we make the scriptures our script, our trust and love for God grows, and so does our joy. This has to be experienced until you know this. If you just go, yes, but you haven't experienced it, you will still go for some other experience. When you experience this with consistency, you don't want to let it go. The desire to do the things you used to do, they don't even appeal to you because that joy is like drinking mud in comparison to the joy that you've been experiencing from the rivers of life that flow from deep within or just overflowing inside of you, from the bread of life that keeps you energized and joy-filled and wanting more of life. You, you just want that when you are experiencing this, but once you get off track, you're going to want more and enjoy it less, want more and enjoy it less of the counterfeit that you've been seduced into participating in. Point number one was remain vitally connected to Jesus as your source and supply. Point number two was remain vitally filled with Jesus' words. Point number three was obey and remain in Jesus' love. Point number four is then your joy will over. Flow. There's not anything really hard that I've said here yet. John 15, 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with 
my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. He even tells us why he's instructing us with these simple instructions. He's even telling us why he's telling us how to do these practical steps. Because I want you to have this overflowing joy, this joy which is my joy that I just want to give you. It's, there's nothing better. I want to give it to you. That's what Jesus is saying. All right, so I'm going to share some bad math with you. And then I'm going to share with you how this bad math is good truth. I like a challenge. Here's the bad math. One plus two plus three is... You want to try that again? One plus two plus three is... Okay, that's good math. Bad math is what I'm about to tell you. One plus two plus three is four. And it's good truth because I've just told it to you. Point number one plus point number two plus point number three is point number four. (laughs) It's not that hard. Let me read it for you. Remain vitally connected to Jesus as your source and supply. Remain vitally filled with Jesus' words. Three, obey and remain in Jesus' love. That equals four. Then your joy will overflow. Do you believe it? If you believe Jesus, you do. But if you're not doing it, you don't believe it. It's that simple. Wow. Hi, Jaden. Thanks for that. Overflowing joy is not found in the places where we usually think we will find it. It is found in God through Jesus. Let me say that again. Overflowing joy is not found in places where we think we will find it. It is found in Jesus. Overflowing joy. Here's a thought that I'd never thought until somebody gave me the thought. The guy's name was Dallas Willard. His thought is that God is the most joyous being in the universe. God is the most joyous being in the universe. Let me just read some words from The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. God leads a very interesting life, and he is full of joy. Undoubtedly, he is the most joyous being in the universe. The abundance of his love and generosity is inseparable from his infinite joy. All of the good and beautiful things from which we occasionally drink tiny droplets of soul-exhilarating joy, God continuously experiences in all their breadth and depth and richness. Willard illustrates this with a story. While I was teaching in South Africa some time ago, a young man took me out to see the beaches near his home in Port Elizabeth. I was totally unprepared for the experience. I had seen beaches, or so I thought, but when we came over the rise where the sea and the land opened to us, I stood in stunned silence and then slowly walked toward the waves. Words cannot capture the view that confronted me. I saw space and light and texture and color and power that seemed hardly of this earth. I realized that God sees this all the time. He sees 
He sees it, he experiences it, he knows it from every possible point of view. This and billions of other scenes like it. Great tidal waves of joy must constantly wash through his being. Again, I'm going to read the part that really strikes me. All of the good and beautiful things from which we occasionally drink tiny droplets of soul-exhilarating joy, God continuously experiences in all their breadth and depth and richness. Jesus doesn't just want us to experience joy. He says, I want you to experience joy my joy. He didn't just say, uh, I want you to experience my joy. In another place, he says, I want to give it to you in full measure. And in this place, he says, I want to give it to you overflowing. So, do you want it? If you want it, and you are experiencing some failure to thrive, I would suggest your first step be you get up right after our prayer and you walk over to that alcove over there where we have a prayer team and say, I'm experiencing failure to thrive. Describe it to the degree that you want to. If you want to just stop there, I'm experiencing FTT. Please pray for me. You can do that. But if you want to get into the detail, you can do that. Connect with Jesus. I would suggest a second step if you've not done this, if you've never made the connection with Jesus in some official way or you're not sure about this church yet, you can find out more. Walk from there all the way across the hall and go to start here because I desperately want you to vitally connect with Jesus. That's what we're all about. And then in that vital connection to continue to take steps Experience more and more and more joy. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for giving us the script and better than that, the person who is the living word, Jesus. And the gospel and the mystery of the gospel, everything that we need to have all of our failures covered, your life filling us and your life flowing through us with overflowing joy. Lord, bring more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Here's a sneak peek for next week. We're starting a new series. It's called Regen. Regeneration makes change possible. So if you're stuck, we're going to talk about change. If you're addicted, we're going to talk about change. If you have habits or hurts, we're going to talk about change, and it's all made possible through regeneration. God bless you. See you next week.